Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from rustic ranches to pixie parties. And today we're talking about rocks, and we're talking about that other thing, Will. It's a P. Peritons. Peritons. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. It is You're the Big Guy. Oh, my God. so good. It's been a while since we did a big guy. Yeah, and though The Rock isn't really a guy, but a bird. But it's a big bird. It's a big bird. Is it? In real life, The Rock is a big guy, but... Oh, okay. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you mean Dwayne Johnson? I mean Dwayne Johnson. Okay, cool. But The Rock in D&D is not a guy, but a bird. But it's without a doubt the biggest one. It is the biggest bird, for sure. That's kind of its thing. Big guys like rocks. Big, big guys, big like, guy love big rock. guy do like rocks. The rock is actually tied to the big guys. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> okay, cool. So, nice. Um, dang your tablet and it's freaking uh, notifications getting in the way of my notes. Oh yeah, um, it does do that. Did the episode? It must be four o'clock. It is. It's past four o'clock. So in in fact, the bigness is pretty much its primary attribute. So much so that they definitely make the five biggest things we ever talk about on the show list. Oh, wow. Um, so big that giants actually ride these things through the sky. Oh, shit. Yeah, so big that the second edition Monsters Manual describes them as looking too big to be real. And the 3.5 uh, version of Monster Manual quotes the, quotes the saying, too big to be believed. Like uh, <laughs> like you see it from very far away, but you think it's much closer than it uh-huh. is. And then it just keeps getting fucking bigger. <laughs> very oh, man. True. And, then, and then it just keeps getting bigger. Yes. And then your mind starts to break, like uh, yeah. if you saw an old one. You know, <laughs> well, like, maybe not like, that big. How? How? <laughs> <laughs> it is listed as size category gargantuan, oh. but it is one of those monsters like Purple Worms that I believe should have a higher category of colossal 
Oh, wow, okay. But all in all, these huge birds of prey dwell in warm mountainous regions and are known for carrying off large animals, cattle, horses, and elephants for food. Mm-hmm. They are the natural kings of the sky, only challenged by dragons and possibly storm or cloud giants. And they're primarily based off of the Middle Eastern mythological creature of the same name. Okay. How many of these could there possibly be? That's a great question, Brian. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, they they, they do up. give them uh, like a territory range, which we'll go over in a bit. All right. Um, but I think the idea is like one per region tops. Okay. So, but they're hanging out like giant areas. Yeah. They like mountains, especially. Oh, well, I so. mean like areas with giants. Also giant well, no, areas. Like, it has to be giants. They don't really it. like giants, but giants oh. can tame them and ride them through the skies. Right. Well, isn't cloud... The one that has like animals at its disposal, like it, it has farms or like petting zoos. They or have something. menageries, yes. Yeah, okay. So, in real life mythology, the rock was depicted as an enormous legendary bird of prey. Mm. It appears in Arabic geographies and natural history, popularized in Ara- Arabian uh, fairy tales and sailors' folklore. The origin of the concept is not entirely clear, but some historians point to the Hindu solar bird Garuda, the Mount of Vishnu, as a direct inspiration for the rock. Nice, okay. Still, like some creatures we have talked about, God, your tablet is doing weird shit again, and I've lost complete control of it. It's an iPad, Will. Yeah, I know, and I hate hate Apple products. (laughs) Um, Where was I? Um, uh, Yeah... Still, like some creatures we've talked about on the show, the rock was actually considered by many at the time, um, including prominent scholars and historians, to be a real, actual creature and not as something cryptozoological. Like, people believe this was a real thing that existed. Oh, okay, for sure. In fact, famous world travelers Marco Polo and Ibn uh, Battuta have written accounts of witnessing the rock during their travels. Ibn Battuta claimed to have seen one over the Sea of China like a mountain hovering in the air. Oh, man. And Marco Polo claimed the bird nested in Madagascar, and his description was as follows. It was for all the world like an eagle, but one indeed of enormous size, so big, in fact, that its quills were 12 paces long and thick in proportion. It is so strong that it will seize an elephant in its talons and carry him high into the air and drop him so that he is smashed to pieces. Having so killed him, the bird swoops down on him and eats him at leisure. Oh. So that Marco Polo wrote that. Nice. Okay. In D&D, rocks are depicted as pretty much identical to the real-life mythological counterpart. Uh, rocks resemble large eagles with either dark brown plumage or all golden feathers from head to tail. In a few rare instances, rocks are um, all red, black, or white. Um, have been cited, but such sightings are often considered to be bad omens. At first sight, a rock silhouette looks much like any other bird of prey. As it descends, however, its unearthly size becomes terrifyingly clear, uh, much like the scenario you described beforehand. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, in flight, a rock's wingspan spreads 200 feet or more. At rest, perched upon the mountain peaks that are its home, the monstrous bird rivals the oldest dragons in size. These giant birds are 60-plus feet long for beak to tail feathers and weigh approximately 8,000 pounds. Fuck, man. Yeah. Furthermore, Forgotten Realms has a variant of rock known as the Zakaran rock. Zakaran rocks are monstrous raptors found in the land of Zakara, a peninsula in the far southeast of Faerun. Um, they are even larger versions uh, than their northern cousins. Zakaran rocks are beautiful creatures decorated with colorful plumage. Their wings are usually a shade of green or gold. Females cool. have a brilliant white breast. Their uh, massive beaks range in color from ivory to bronze. Zakaran rocks include a two-headed version of the giant bird, but essentially, Zakaran rocks are simply rocks, but twice the size. Okay. So 400 wing in diameter and 120 feet from beak to tail. I, it's hard to even conceptualize. Yeah, that. they're yeah. getting so fucking big. It's so big. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fucking birds. You're the big guy. You got the hollow bones, like, you know, the potential of the weight, you know, uh-huh. could be much higher. Yeah, it's true. So, few sources bother with an origin for rocks. Again, for the most part, they're just giant super eagles and no explanation beyond some animals are really large as necessary. But the 5 Monster Manual does give rocks an origin story and ties these winged monstrosities to the story of the giants and their fallen empire. They got uh, they got rocks like the big like I know they got giant eagles in uh, Lord of the Rings, but they got rocks in Lord of the Rings. Why didn't the rocks uh, take the hobbits to Mordor? They don't have rocks in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Although one could argue that the giant eagles are rocks. Okay. So in the ancient <laughs> days, when giants battled dragons for control of the world, Anam, the father of the giant gods, created the rocks so that his worshippers might challenge the dragons' dominance of the air. Oh wow! But as we know, the giants lost that war, mm-hmm. and when the war ended, the rocks were freed from giant domination and spread throughout the world. Okay. Dragons were like, we are one brain, you are two. It confuse you the fuck up yeah, and hit there you we with go. this lightning breath. Sure, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, 4E claims that rocks are creatures with close ties to the elemental chaos and are direct cousins of phoenixes and thunderbirds. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they're up there. They're just got. They're just in, uh, in magical company. Yeah, exactly. All right. Rocks are solitary creatures that can live for centuries. They layer in nests made from trees, tents, broken ships, and the remains of caravans they carry off. Placing these massive <laughs> tangles in mountain clefts out of the reach of lesser creatures. Oh, um, man. You carry off a whole caravan of shit. <laughs> I just know. Like... It's exactly <laughs> it. Oh, man. Sometimes a rock's nest contains treasures from the caravans or ships that they raid, but these creatures are heedless of such baubles. More rarely, a nest holds eggs that are taller than a human produced by the rock's infrequent mating. Rocks do not nest too closely together since such a high concentration of these hungry predators would deprive entire regions of its animal population. Um, they're just too big. Okay. Uh, rocks actually fit quite nicely into the D&D food chain, though, serving to keep down the number of large predators in a given area as they are fond of uh, ank eggs, purple worms, harpies, manticores, all that shit. They eat it all up. Okay. And some say that it is thanks to the rocks' prodigious appetites that these creatures are not swarming about with impunity. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So this is one of the, the ongoing questions I have of yeah. Dungeons & Dragons is what mm-hmm. is keeping all this horrible shit back from... You know, consuming humanity, yeah. and it's rocks. It's rocks. They're eating all it the extra rocks the whole time. <laughs> it's, been, it's been rocks all along. No one ever sees them. Yeah. Well, actually, they probably fucking really do. Huh? They really, really yeah. do. So they fly great distances in search of food, soaring high above the clouds to reach their favorite hunting grounds. A rock seldom hunts swift or small creatures, and it ignores towns and forests where prey can easily take cover. When it locates a large and slow-moving target, such as a giant, a whale, or an elephant, a rock dives down to snatch its prey from its massive talons. Nice. Though cloud giants and storm giants still sometimes tame these great birds, rocks just as often treat them as potential prey. Oh, wow. Okay. Though no particular race or group of people necessarily get along with rocks, save perhaps druids, one race in particular has an ongoing enmity with the gargantuan birds. Dwarves. Ooh. Dwarves mines. Dwarves hate all things big. They really do. <laughs> Dwarven mines located in remote mountains often have to contend with unruly rocks intent on protecting their territory. Attempts by the dwarves to tame rocks have thus far all met with failure, so the accepted manner of dealing with the rocks is to kill them and smash their eggs. Mm. Adventurers who happen on a community of mountain dwarves may find employment as rock hunters. Such groups would do well not to allow any druids to find out about this, though. Okay. So, yeah. And I honestly love the idea of a party being hired to kill a rock and then after doing so, accidentally send the local ecosystem into like an out of control spiral. Oh, man. Like, the harpy population skyrockets and travel becomes near impossible. Farmers start losing cattle at alarming rates. Druids get involved. The responsibility to rectify their mistakes falls back on the party. Um, I kind of also like a mercenary guild that is trying to get more work. 
and kills the rock for freezies or tricks somebody into like paying them to kill the rock so they could get more work. Yeah, I can see that. That's a campaigner right there. Yeah, that is. That would be fun. So any questions about the rock before you read off the stat block? I would like to read the stat block. Yeah, read that stat block. I'm going to read that stat block, dog. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Uh, Rock. So big. Uh, Gargantuan monstrosity unaligned. Um, Armor class is 15 natural armor. Hit points are 248. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Uh, The speed is 20 feet of movement speed. Which I feel like because just simply the size that that should be higher should be probably That's double. That's what I was saying about Cyclopses, bro. Yeah, like some of the, well, I understand the mechanical implications of having stuff walk around like that quickly. Sure. But uh, the flying is 120 feet. That's that's a lot. Honestly. Yeah, it's a lot. It's super <laughs> um, lot, yeah. This thing's got 28 strength. That's a plus nine. Uh, so 10 decks. That, that, should, that seems like it should be higher. Um, but maybe not because it's so huge. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how that works. Uh, 20 con, 3 intelligence, 10 wisdom, and 9 charisma. This sounds like a, a really big um, uh, ranger companion. Yeah, companion. sure. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, my big, uh, my big, big ranger. <laughs> and his big, big rock. Uh, let's see. Saving throw. That would be cool. Uh, a god makes you enormous with your eagle companion and, and it gets a stat boost and make it look like a rock. That'd be cool. Fun That'd times. be super cool, and yeah. Fucking bow and arrow stuff all crazy. Mm-hmm. Saving throws, plus four dex, plus nine con, plus four wisdom, plus three carisma. Uh, skills, plus four perception. And the passive perception is 14. This thing does not speak languages. It is no. a challenge rating of 11, which is pretty high. I mean, yeah. This was good. Yeah. Uh, keen sight, the rock has advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. Very bird like. Multi attack, the rock makes two attacks, one with its back and one with its talons. Uh, the beak, melee weapon attack, is plus 13 to hit, reach of 10 feet. Okay. Uh, one target, uh, hit is 27 or 4d8 plus 9 pierce. Talons, melee weapon attack, plus 13 to hit, reach 5 feet. One target, hit is 23 or 4d6 plus 9 slashing damage. The target is grappled. Uh, yeah, if you do the, if you do the slashing damage, the, the target is grappled with an escape DC of 19 mm. uh, until this grapple ends. The target is restrained, and the rock can't use its talons on another target. Mm. Um, that's weird. You could drop one and grab another one, I guess. Yeah. But you can't get two people in this big talon. I guess not. I would homebrew that up a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's got two talons, It's got right? two talons, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, that'd be fun to have the whole part, party just get carried away <laughs> in, like, talons. one big 23 damage. That would be hilarious, attack. yeah. But you could still attack the rock. If you're, oh no, it's restrained. Restrained means you can't attack. I believe it means you have. I think you disadvantage can still attack on attacking. It, yeah, you yeah. Can still get into its uh, its meaty claws. Yeah, it's yeah, big yeah, meaty yeah. Claws. Uh, that's it, though. That's that's it for the rock. Very, 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 very big, nasty bird. Indeed. So, any questions about the rock? I mean, it's, like it a, is what it is. It's a giant eagle. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're not like super duper smart at all they're it's just big animals about as smart as an eagle right yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so that's that's cool yeah all, all right, right. No, i'm good short rest time short rest selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga! A future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast homebrewed and dungeon mastered by yours truly, me... And set in space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! We've returned. Indeed we have. And uh, it's time to talk about another winged monstrosity of the sky, the Periton. A big, another big bird? Another, yeah, it's a big bird. Not as big uh, as the rock. Not as Who's big, the biggest no. of the birds. The biggest bird, yes, And maybe exactly. the biggest of most creatures in the game. Yeah, it's up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this one, though, the periton, is much less a natural beast and much more of a depraved and twisted creation with an insatiable, bloodless, and malign intent. Yes! We're back to Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons the way I'm more familiar with it. This is just like... Uh, e- this is evil. This is evil, yes. Okay, okay. This bizarre creature appears to be a blend of an antler deer and a vulture, but with the intelligence of a human. Okay. Known for their taste for fresh humanoid hearts and their primary feasting on humans above all. These foul avian monsters are feared in rural communities far and wide. There is a lot of scary shit in the sky in D&D, and the Periton are among some of the nastiest. Yeah, so you got, like, griffins, and, you got um, harpies, manticles, you got, rocks, you got yeah. mantis, you yeah. got chimeras fly, right? Yeah, they fly, kind of. Yeah, kinda. they do They do fly, yes. Yeah. Um, um, what am I missing? Cloud giants? Dragons. Dragons are in the sky. Wyverns are in the sky. Tempest stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, yeah. Bad skies out there, guys. Dragons. Dragons, right? <laughs> yeah, but back to Peritons. <laughs> So Peritons, though not from any actual mythology, the Periton is also not a D&D original. Instead, it's based off a creature from, I'm going to screw this name up, but I'm going to do my best. George Louis Borges is 1957 fictional bestiary, The Book of Imaginary Beings. Okay, wow. Okay. So he made it up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No way. (laughs) A Periton's feathered and winged body is about seven feet long and five feet tall. Similar to that of a giant eagle with dark green or gray green feathers okay. its head however is covered in 
blue, black, or purple hair and is roughly the shape of a deer's. Yeah. Its, its maw is full of jagged fangs and its talons are as sharp as razors. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo. It's got antlers? It does. On the top of Holy his head shit. is a set of extremely sharp and strong antlers, which are hard as steel and jet black in color. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it. It's really terrifying It's looking. scary looking, right? Yeah. Males have light blue chest feathers, while females have pale brown ones. A parrotin's eyes glow an orange-red color. Oh, wow. Now, that is a parrotin's basic physical appearance, but there are a few key mysterious and bizarre features beyond this. The first foremost among these being its shadow which appears humanoid rather than reflecting the creature's physical form. Oh, what? Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Now, the hows and whys of this vary by source. Some say a periton shadow appears as the outline of whatever creature whose heart the periton last ate, usually an adult human. Other reports suggest that the periton shadow was is always that of human, and there is a legend told that they had once been humans themselves, hence the human shadow. Okay. Some argue that the only time a periton casts its own shadow is immediately after killing a victim, but before consuming it. Others say that a periton shadow reverts to its own only after eating a heart, and only for a brief period afterwards. So there's a lot of conjecture about the shadow. Yeah, there's no people... One, no one's clear about how that works. Yeah, the townsfolk are just like playing telephone with like exactly. sh- shadow physics at yeah. this point. They're like, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. Like... <laughs> Uh, I shadow physics are fresh to me uh, as like a mechanic in this game. Yeah. So now it's like come up very shortly after our episode about them. It's true. So like I'm not really surprised, and I'm gonna stop referencing Peter Pan from here out. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so two other interesting features is their extremely tough hide. Uh, some say magically hardened, and the fact that they exude a smell which apparently causes dread. <laughs> Yeah, I've smelled those before. <laughs> yeah, so um, the origin story. Is that story- you, Periton? <laughs> stink. <laughs> you stink like shame. <laughs> <laughs> the origin story of these creatures is also up for debate. The 5e Monster Manual shares, uh, shares an explanation for how these monsters came to be, stating that sages postulate that the first Peritons were humans transformed by a hideous curse or magical experiment. But bards tell a different tale of a man whose infidelity caused his scorned wife to cut out the heart of her younger, more beautiful rival and consume it in a ritual intended to forever win her husband's heart. The ritual succeeded until the woman's villainy was exposed. She was hanged for her crime, but the lingering magic of her foul ritual caused the carrion birds that feasted on her corpse to transform into the first peritons. I'm going to copy-paste that out of your notes for my next dragon-seducing bard. There this we is how go. we're going to kill this guy. Yeah, my wife, My wife is going to do it. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> a tale from Forgotten Realms tells a different story. Peritons had once been a group of evil human bane worshippers. As punishment for the crimes, they were cursed by five gods of law. Lathander, god of the dawn, said, "You have been swift as an eagle in your flight from justice, so I curse you each. So I curse you each with the body of an eagle." Mistra, goddess of magic, said, "Fierce as a wolf have you been in your persecution of the innocent, so I curse you with the teeth of a wolf." Torm, god of duty, said, "Foolish as a stag and rut have you been as you shunned what is true and good, so I curse you all to bear the head and horns of a stag." <laughs> Ilmater. God of suffering said, you have tormented and torn heart and soul from your victims. So I curse you with unnatural appetites so that you may only live and prosper after devouring the hearts of your prey. That one's questionable. Bro, what the fuck? Ne- next one. <laughs> they're all questionable. Well, they're, they're, they're basically like. They're in- like, we're going to make you animals. And yeah, but you got to eat hearts. Like, fuck, bro. <laughs> The gods, the gods were drunk, and they were fucking around with the like, uh, like the character creator simulator, uh-huh. and they were like, "Oh, put an antler face on it." Yeah, exactly. Do it. Do it. Finally, 
Maliki, goddess of the forest, said, While you acted as beasts, your hearts contain evil which only humans can know. I curse you to always cast the shadow of humans you once were, to always remind you of your terrible deeds and of the souls that you have lost. Thus, the humans became peritons. Okay, so there it is. We have the we have the root of what the shadow is supposed to do. So In that you, one story, yeah. there's already other stories. So okay, yeah, like, here we go. Yeah. I mean... DM's discretion? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Peritons roost atop mountain ridges and layer in high caves. They prey on creatures living or wandering in the vales below, and travelers on lonely mountain roads learn to keep wary eye on the sky. Um, because normal weapons are less effective against Peritons, the folk of the mountains know to avoid confrontations with these monsters at all costs. Established humanoid settlements are attractive to Peritons as renewable food sources. Uh, as such, village councils and local nobles often hire adventurers to eliminate Periton nests. Peritons are roughly as intelligent as humans. They have foul and violent tempers, but are capable of being intelligent, patient, and cunning. They make detailed plans for their hunts, and they carry them out meticulously. They can understand, at the very least, common, and sometimes other languages, but are incapable of speaking, at least not in words recognizable to most others. Um, some believe that Peritons have a language of their own, heard by humanoid ears as a series of pained or enraged screeches and roars, and even human-like screams. Mm. So, Peritons really are miserable creatures. It is said that they are perpetually unhappy creatures and despise their own existence. They are driven by a desire to kill others and someday ascend to a higher form of existence by eating a theoretical perfect heart. Oh, man. Okay. So, they got this whole belief system. Peritons believe that the perfect heart must be eaten fresh, which is why they attempt to tear it from the living prey with their sharp talons as soon as possible. Um, So strong is this desire that some more intelligent Peritons keep and breed humanoids to harvest their hearts. When attacking a humanoid, a periton is single-minded and relentless, fighting until it or its prey dies. If a periton is somehow driven away, it stalks lost prey from a farmer, attacking again when the opportunity arises. Shit, man. Yeah, they're <laughs> scary. They're vicious. Man. I want to use one. Yeah, they're like, pretty cool. Without the players knowing this lore necessarily, like, uh-huh. or if you're just you do if you've listened to this episode as a player and your DM uses it, like, yeah. you as a character probably have never seen one. And if you do, getting this described to you, like what I'm looking at, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. this is this is one of the scariest looking things that I've seen in the yeah, game. Yeah, so it's far. very scary looking. Yeah. Yeah, of this size. Let's, let's yeah, keep it right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's obviously like huge, scary monsters, right? But like yeah. this is this feels threatening for a low level party for sure. It has a, uh, I think, for lack of a better word, it has a certain wrongness to its appearance. Yeah, which I think is the exact emotion it's supposed to invoke. Right. And so, kudos to the artist for the uh, monster manual, five E monster manual. Yeah, good job. Um, um, it looks exactly how I think it should look. Uh huh. And yeah, yeah, it it looks like, um, it just looks like something horrible. Yeah, it's like a deer coyote almost in the yeah. like it, it's not quite the stag face is definitely there. The closest but it's thing I can uh I can say to how the that image makes me feel is descriptions I've read from stories of skinwalkers. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. That's the same kind of feeling of dread you get by looking at the periton. Fucking skin man. Yes. Those are scary. So, peritons are mostly solitary creatures, but some are known to hunt in groups. Uh, these are often strained and tenuous alliances, though, since their chaotic natures make it difficult for them to cooperate. Fights over prey due to fear that someone else might have a chance to eat the perfect heart are very common. Um, Periton females lay eggs with shells as hard as metal. 
it said that acid is required to melt through these shells. Uh, some scholars believe that the reason peritons consume hearts is because of the high iron content uh, of the organ, which is then u- thought to be used in both the peritons' antlers and their eggs. Cool. Um, and perhaps even their skin and feathers, because again, those are it, they're immune to most weapons. Yeah, okay. Um, in any case, a fer- female periton is not fertile unless she has eaten a fresh heart, and the heart must be co- come from a humanoid. The female will then only remain fertile for an extremely short time, between three to 18 hours. A mated pair of peritons share the duties of guarding their nests and sitting on the eggs, which have incubation period of up to a month. Uh, hatchling has to be fed for the first month of its life and grows to maturity within three months. The parent peritons often carry live prey to their nests and watch as the infants kill and consume them themselves. The young stay with their parents for as long as a year, after which they leave to establish their own nests. Dang, man, dang. So that's Peritons, man. You got any questions about them before you uh, read that stat block They're off? Just like okay with watching their kids eat hearts. Not okay with it. They're like they they gotta they're like they gotta heart. learn. You gotta Finish. learn to kill your food. Finish your heart, boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> um, I'll stat block it up. Let's do it. All right, sounds good. <laughs> uh, we got a medium monstrosity, a chaotic evil bird. <laughs> we got a medium monstrosity on yeah. our hands. Yeah, we sure do, boys. We're gonna take it down with these weapons. Psych. <laughs> Uh, armor class is 13 natural armor. Pretty good. Uh, hit points, 33. We got 20 foot. Uh, see, this thing can move move 20 feet. Uh, and then a flying speed of 60 feet. Yeah, um, I know. This, okay. this is the exact conversation I had about cycle base. Right. So, uh, I'm with you, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. Agreement. I know you are. <laughs> so, strength is 16. The dex is 12. The con is 13. The intelligence is 9. The wisdom is 12. And the charisma is 10. You don't got to be smart. When you just want to eat hearts. Well, I mean, it's a nine. That's basically human. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right. So, <laughs> like I said, uh, skills, perception is plus five. Damage resistance, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. Senses, passive perception is 15. Languages, understands common and elvish, but can't speak. Mm. Interesting. Uh, interesting mix there. Uh, challenge rating two. So, the dive attack... If the Periton is flying and uh, dives at least 30 feet straight toward a target and then hits it with a melee weapon attack, uh, the attack deals an extra 9 or 2d8 damage to the target. Mm-hmm. So dive attack. Okay, flyby. The Periton doesn't provoke an opportunity attack when it flies out of an enemy's reach. So uh, keen sight and smell. Periton has... Advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight or smell. Some standard bird stuff. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> multi-attack. The Periton makes uh, one gore attack and one talon attack. So that gore is a melee weapon attack with plus five to hit, a reach of five feet on one target. That's going to do seven or one God. D8 plus three Sounds piercing damage. so painful to get the gored gore, by that thing's man. antlers. Yeah, dude. It's going to stab you, and it's going to be in motion. I would um, put in, like, some push in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talons are going to be the melee weapon attack with plus five to hit, reach of five feet, one target. It's going to do eight or two D4 plus three piercing damage. So just a ton of uh, slashing and goring going yeah, on here. that's what it does. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have beak. Yeah. It just got I just picture animals. our fight with this thing being very bloody. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, that's it, man. That's that's yeah. the whole stat block. You know, this, this creature would make the great, like, um, would make a great antagonist for like a monster movie, like an actual scary horror yeah. one. Imagine this thing like busting into like a log cabin and you just see this like bizarre monstrosity or you keep seeing like glimpses of it 
And then at the end, it reveals what it really looks like, and it's fucking that horrible, <laughs> horrible looking thing. The first guy dies, yeah. and you're like, uh, you're ta- right before you're like, yeah, man, Mike's a good dude. He's got a heart of gold, and yeah. and then a bird comes <laughs> in and takes it. <laughs> He's like, oh, say. he took his heart. <laughs> his heart of gold. Yeah. Or like, yeah, they find and then they find the corpse of Mike with literally like he's all bloody and whatnot, but he's got a hole in his chest where his heart was and it's gone. And they're like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Um, Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's time for a long rest. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the long rest. What's on my feet? I don't know, Will. What should I wear? Um, I think there's a couple feathered slippies over there that I think uh, are fitting. The wings of a good sleep. <laughs> I got uh, I got slippers with wings. Mm-hmm. They're gonna carry me into my full HP restore with all my spell slots. Let's indeed, go and indeed. talk about people. People will people yes. that like this show so much they give us money to do it. Indeed, thank um, you. Thank you so much. Could you stop the audio recording on that camera? Oh gosh, thank yes. you so much. I thought I had done that, and That's I, apparently okay. I did not. Um, uh, no one can see. Yeah, it's true. No one can see this. Um, let's talk about some people that are loyal to not only us, but in turn, uh, Demogorgon. Indeed. Shout out to Demogorgon. And here we go. Um, we got Marvin Goldhart coming out the shoot. Thank, Thank you, Marvin. You, Marvin. Um, let's see. We got Adam. Thank you, Adam. Adam Buxton. <laughs> Sorry, let me let me make this bigger. I knew you weren't going to be I able know, to see it. I <laughs> know. I know. God. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Adam Buxton, thank you. Um Cameron McOwen. Thank you, Cameron. We got Isabel West. Thank you, Isabel. We got Deeply Weird Lemon. Thank you, Deeply Weird Lemon. <laughs> okay, now let me go up to the next list because Patreon is oh, so, two lists. so weird. It is weird. Um, uh, thank you, Rampage Face. Thank you, Rampage Face. <laughs> um, and then let's see here. And thank you, Gillian Romero. Thank you, Gillian. Uh, thank you, Paul Sorensen. Thank you, Paul. And, yeah. Did you skip a Nick there? I thought I saw a Nick. Scroll back to the top. The top three. Third one down. Oh, and thank you, Nick Farrell. Thank you, Nick. Farrell? Farrell? I think it's Farrell. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you for everybody that came in on Patreon. We really appreciate you guys. Um, you're helping keep the lights on, and we got bonus content in there for you. So early much episodes. Bonus There's a lot of bonus content. I'm not going to name it is. anymore. Um, There's a lot of it. Yeah, some some good stuff. Uh, and uh, new merch. So. Uh, oh, yeah, we got that new. Okay, so we were going to do, what was it? An Indeed um, hat. hat. But um, Patreon wouldn't let us do that. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to do an Indeed hoodie. It looked really sweet. Wouldn't let us do that. Wanted They wanted to make us charge you guys more to have it. And I said, fuck that. Which left us with a shirt or a mug. Let you guys vote on it. Our patrons voted for mug, so we got a nice indeed mug. And honestly, it looks great. It's our best looking mug yet. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's yeah. like very. Uh, it's it's what we wanted. It's simple. Yeah. Um, and and to the point. It's still D and D related, and yeah, I like it. It looks D nice. indeed related. Indeed. Um, indeed. So. <laughs> God, I say that word so much. Yeah, you do. Um, now we got a mug to prove it. <laughs> Uh, I think I think we're ready to call it a game. I'm ready to call it a game. Thank dude. you guys. Wait, do, contest, wait, wait. contest, contest. We contest, still contest, don't know. Contest, we contest. still don't know. We don't know. We still um, don't know. But check our social media because we'll yeah, know, well, yeah, we'll know there. We know there. That's the future us. Yeah, future us knows. Now us, no. Y'all saw Endgame. Time travel's so fucking whack. Indeed. Um, let's get out. Let's, let's get out of here. Game. We'll talk Bye. to you guys later.
the Dungeon Cast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.